Hello and welcome back to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jesse Parker Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah Abdullah. How's it going? Yeah, all good. Not too bad. Spent the weekend watching a lot of football and we're going to watch more football today. We're going to talk about football now and we're going to watch more football next week. So it's just a lot of football, but it's fun. I like it. Yes, we're recording this ahead of the head of the World Cup final. So uh, getting this done nice and early so we can head off and watch uh, Messi and Mbappe. And I'm sure you guys will all know the result by the time you listen to this because it is an episode four later in the week. Um, we are <laughs> delighted to be joined by someone who's actually just been at the World Cup in Qatar, the Athletics' Charlotte Harper. Charlotte, how was it? Weird. Wonderful at the same time. Um, yeah, uh, all the controversies around the World Cup, we tried to keep talking about it and raising those issues. And that's then juxtaposed with seeing Mbappe in the flesh and Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and all the big names and the glitz and the glamour. So, yeah, trying to hold them both with both hands. But um, I, I'm on the come down. I'm the, the fatigue is hitting. <laughs> I mean, a return to rainy England, I think, is yeah about um, as big a shift as as you can get from from Qatar. Um, but the reason we're joined by Charlotte today is because we're going to be taking a little look at our final Champions League group stage opponents. Paris Saint-Germain and Charlotte has been a real leader in the English language coverage of some of the more absurd elements of PSG's off-field struggles recently. So we're going to be talking about all of that, considering how PSG have coped on the pitch before looking ahead to the matchup at Stamford Bridge as Chelsea look to secure top spot in their group. Um... It's almost when I was when I was thinking about how to begin with all the backstory stuff, Charlotte, I was just like, I don't know where to start because I think something that's been so crazy about this story, and I'm sure you know you've experienced this from reporting on it, is it just feels like it's dragged on and on and on. Like, how have you been able to kind of hold all the different things that have been happening as you've kind of been reporting around it? Just trying to create a, a timeline, really. And um, figure out step by step concrete actions that happened. So uh, November, so over a year ago now, um, Kira Hamraoui, uh, Aminata Diallo, and Sakina Kachawi were driving home from a team bonding uh, dinner at Chalet des Ailes, the very fancy restaurant, and the car was stopped and Kira Hamraoui was attacked. Um, by a masked man with uh, an iron bar. So, first of all, that is extraordinary <laughs> that that happens. Um, six days later, uh, Aminata Diallo plays in a Champions League game at Parc des Princes, and they win. And the next morning, she's uh, arrested uh, in connection with the attack. Which, again, you stop and pause and think, one teammate's been beaten with an iron bar and the other teammate has been arrested in connection with the attack. And um, to this day, that the case is still ongoing. Like, Aminata Diallo has um, denied all wrongdoing. Uh, she declares her innocence. Um, in November last year, she was released after 36 hours in custody. However, in September this year, uh, she was arrested uh, and charged with aggravated assault and criminal conspiracy. Uh, she's still under kind of strict conditions, what we would call bail conditions. So she cannot speak to any member of her 
uh, PSG team. She is no longer with her team. Her contract expired uh, in the summer. Kira Hamrawi, meanwhile, um, has a year left on her PSG contract and, and wanted to see out that contract. But throughout this 13 months, um, there's been... Uh, Kira Hamrawi was isolated from the squad. Um, Hamrawi and Diallo were then gently introduced to the training in December. They made their first appearances back uh, with the team in, in January. So you think, okay, things are actually moving on here. But across this, there's swirls of uh, the involvement of Eric Abadal, who admitted that he had an affair with Kira Hamrawi. That brought about his divorce um, with his wife. And he publicly stated that on his Instagram page. So you had one avenue that was Eric Abadal involved and Hyatt Abadal, his wife. There was then another avenue involving um, Diani's partner and Marie Antoinette Cototo's agent, Cesar, who was alleged to have been part of organised fraud uh, with um, this case and also threatening PSG. So this is swirling in, so we're going from January, February, March. Um, and Hamrawi, meanwhile, was, her agent says, you know, her name was dragged through the mud. She was part of a smear campaign. You had um, PSG supporters holding up banners saying, Aminata Diallo, we strongly support you. So this is, the case is still ongoing. Diallo is innocent. Um, Kira Hamrawi, uh, there were signs saying, whose turn is it now? Alluding to the multiple love affairs that um, she had. Um, in the French camp, uh, Katoto and Diani, when they played a game for France, held up uh, an A symbol in support of Aminata Diallo while Kira Hamrawi was on the pitch. Um, and she was booed by fans, Hamrawi, booed by her own PSG fans. So <laughs> I, it's gone on and on. There's there's plenty more to say, but all I think the biggest thing is, is if, if you look back one year ago today and um, in November, PSG lost 6-1 against Lyon uh, just 10 days after the attack and, and all that was going on. And the mood in the camp, I mean, there were bodyguards, the team had access to psychologists. And then I think in the spring, Grasquioro said in uh, L'Equipe, the French outlet, you know, we may hate each other off the pitch, but, and even that was like, wow, okay. <laughs> A bit extreme. So I feel like, I feel like, I've splurged a lot there. Maybe we, you want to unpick some bits, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary story. I, like, it's very hard to summarise, right? Because as you've kind of touched on, um, and I would recommend, you know, if you're subscribed to Athletic or and if you don't, why not, go and read Charlotte's full reporting because there's so much detail in this. But as you kind of touched on, it's it's like... There's been so many almost red herrings in terms of kind of, yeah, the Hamraoui Abadal affair and whether that had anything to do with it. And then Diallo's kind of links. Obviously, then you've got all these teammates getting involved. And, and I kind of want to touch on that a bit that, you, you know, you've mentioned 
um, kind of the links that Diallo has with Marie Antoinette Cototo through her husband and, and him being an agent and, you know, the public support Cototo and Diani have shown Diallo. What impact has this story had on on the team as a whole um, in terms of... Because there's been stuff around, like, training ground bust-ups as well, right? Um, how has oh, that I kind of that developed... One. <laughs> sorry just another bit in the like 20 weird things that happened in this story how is how is all of this kind of stuff that's taken place outside of the team impacted the the team internally I think the clearest answer to that is probably that in the summer PSG decided to get a new manager new assistants new sporting director new assistant sporting director and the general manager Ulrich Ramit left uh, manager Didier Ole Nicole left. That's another story. He was um, alleged to have uh, behaved inappropriately, um, was suspended from the club. Uh, no misconduct was was found against him by the club. But, you know, PSG just wanted a clean slate. And I think when you gut out the core of your management team, that is a reflection of how it has affected uh, this um, team on the whole. Um, and also kind of, you know, new players as well, introducing Lika Martins and um, Jackie Groinen in midfield. That was a clear sign to say, hammer we of like, we don't want you. So uh, from April throughout the summer, hammer we was basically frozen from the squad and Gerard uh, Pressure the new PSG manager said, look, you just don't fit my model. Your skill set is not suited to my team. So it was a clear of like, we don't want you. PSG um, sought and out low moves for Hamari. There was interest from Manchester United, Juventus, Inter Milan, Parma. Uh, and Hamari said, no, I'm seeing out my contract. So the fact that PSG wanted to put Hamraoui out on loan, Diallo's contract had ended, was a clear sign that we need to shake this up and we need to put behind all that has gone on in this last year. Yeah, and we'll touch a bit on what's kind of actually happened with Hamraoui because that almost feels like one of the, the kind of clearest ways the, the off-field stuff's maybe turned around into, into on-field stuff. Um, something else I just wanted to ask about, which is kind of separate around all of this, but I think also does tie it into some ways, is um, about Sandy Baltimore, who also was someone who kind of got caught up in the stuff, but then had her own off-field issues around allegedly assaulting someone she knew. Baltimore has obviously kind of been the young, exciting face of PSG over the past couple of seasons. How... Do you think all of this kind of stuff has been like quite a destabilizing environment for a younger player to kind of, you know, we think of older players and, and Hamarawi and Diallo kind of represent that, right. As being kind of model professionals. And then you've got a 21 year old kind of caught up in all of this off field stuff. How do you think that's maybe impacted her? Um, it's hard because there were, there were clearly two camps in the PSG, like supporting Diallo. So that was Marie Antoinette Cototo um, and Cariatu Diani. And those kind of international players who 
didn't really get involved with the the French players. You've got Grasquioro, the captain, who's trying to hold this all together. And the, the training ground um, bust up, if you, if you want to call it, I'm saying speech marked, <laughs> um, <laughs> is, you know, a cross came in and um, uh, Baltimore and uh, Hamrawi um, went for the same ball. And this was alleged that it was, you know, organised by uh, Baltimore and Diani and Katoto, something that uh, PSG have denied, uh, Baltimore's representative have uh, denied as well. But it just shows, um, yeah, the tension, the high amount of tension that was in the, the PSG camp at the time. And finally, just before we kind of move on and look at, at PSG's on-field uh, stuff this season. What's been the reaction within France and within kind of French media, the, the perception of what's kind of gone down at Paris Saint-Germain? Obviously, you know, Paris Saint-Germain are the biggest club in France. It, it, obviously, in the women's side, we see it slightly differently because of Lyon's dominance. Um, but what's kind of been the reaction there to to all of this stuff? Because I guess PSG are generally a club we maybe associate with upheaval on both sides of the, the football pitch. Yeah, I think so. PSG are refraining from commenting anyway, because the police investigation is still ongoing. But the perception, especially of Hamraoui, is like completely gone 180. Um, if you think back to... January, February time where she was being booed. She's almost being kind of treated like a star now. And there's a lot more sympathy for her um, with the investigation, knowing what has happened is that, uh, yes, she had an affair with Eric Abadal, but that doesn't warrant somebody being beaten with an iron bar. So French perception, definitely sympathy for Hamraoui and I know you can read in whatever you like, but Hamrawi was silent on social media for at least eight months. She didn't come out and say anything. It was a very, very traumatic, traumatic event for her. And now you see kind of interaction in the dressing room, a little joke now and again of who's stolen Lika Martin's birthday cake. Um, more kind of, you know, banter, which must have just been ice cold uh, previously. So it's very easy to think from the outside, oh, everything's rosy now. I I'm sure um, that's not the case entirely, but relationships have definitely improved. I think one thing is that Hamraoui felt betrayed by her club um, and that they didn't support her enough, especially since she didn't train with the team at all over the summer. But um, she has always said that she will stay until the end of her contract. And Kwesha has now kind of thought, actually, you're a pretty damn good player. I need you in my team. Yeah, um, it's been a, a very fascinating turnaround and, and we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more. Um, but that's going to kind of summarise our, our on-field... Uh, I'll do that again. That's going to kind of sum up the off-field stuff. We're going to take a quick ad break now. When we come back, we'll talk about how PSG have been doing under pressure this season. 
If you're bored of the US Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you with over 5,000 plus server options. No show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, you can receive a huge discount on a two year plan plus one free month. We all love to binge, but look, privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an affected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk when you use our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue you a refund. You can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check out my link again. That's nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. Thank you to our sponsors for supporting the show. Just a couple of announcements. Uh, the merch store is up. It's running. There's some really cool stuff there. Nick tells me they're shipping incredibly quickly. So if you haven't bought it, it will probably be on your doorstep, maybe before you even order. Who knows? I don't know what shipping quickly actually means, but he seemed excited. Uh, the boys are coming over to England in March. You can get involved on a group trip. They're going to be doing the Chelsea women versus Brighton game. So if you're thinking, was the Brighton curse all about Hope Powell, you can find out at Kings Meadow in March with the guys. So take a look at that. Um, we've also launched a newsletter. So if you want to get all the latest Chelsea news, London is blue news into your inbox, you can go on our Twitter and sign up there. All right, let's take a look at PSG this season. Uh, Abdullah, I'm going to come to you because as some people know, you do support another team as well as Chelsea. They are called Lyon, and I'm looking at a table, and they're currently second in the league. Um, what's going on? How, how after everything we've just heard about from Charlotte, are PSG top of the league in France? Question I've been asking myself all week. Um, after watching Lyon play PSG, and then Lyon playing Arsenal, and then PSG playing Real Madrid, I'm literally sitting here just hand in my face going, how in the world am I reading this table like this? It's... I don't know where to start. Right. Okay. So why are PSG top? They just, they just finished whatever chance they made. I mean, that's the, literally the simplest way to put it. It's, and if I can take it back to the start of the week when, when, when Leon played, uh, PSG, it was, it was a strange game. I mean, uh, you know, in a, in a weird way, Leon were coming in not in the best of form this this entire season they've kind of been up and down and you had PSG kind of also kind of just playing catch up and kind of sticking in and around with uh, with Leon and in in a way both teams have just been kind of meh if I can just put it in general uh in, in terms in terms of the way they've been playing obviously with with what we just talked about with with PSG all that that happening is it d doesn't help and with Leon it's just injuries have ravaged them and and key players have just not been able to get on the pitch and I think when you look at it on the face of things, it was it's just there are so many parts of PSG, in my opinion, that are they're just not up to the level that you would want in a top team. Like they've got some world class players. Obviously, Katoto is out, right? But she's one. They bought in Lake Martins. They've got Rashioro. You know, they've got Sakina Kershawi who stepped up. But then in other positions, you've just got like, you know, I don't I don't think the centre backs 
you know, are, are, are amazing. Obviously, Paulina Dudek's out. She was she was the class defender that they had, became captain, uh, and then did her ACL in, in September. So they, they're missing her. Uh, you know, uh, Ashley Lawrence, I think, is, is, is great. I just don't think she's had the best season in the world so far. And kind of in midfield, this sort of like rotation of players. They brought in a lot of players over the summer. I still think they're trying to figure out what their best midfield setup is. Obviously, Dabrit's left. They brought in a couple of Chinese players. Um, they brought in Jean-Francois, uh, who I think is actually a really, really good signing, but I still think it's taking a little bit of time to settle in. Like we said, Hamraoui's back into the team out of nowhere. So it's, it's. I think for them, if for PSG at a, at, a, at a high level, it's been very convoluted for me from a tactical perspective because it, it very much seems to me get it to the front three and we'll figure out what to do what to do from there because I don't think the... It's like now, you know, they played in against Real Madrid, they played Hamraoui and they played um, Francois and then they played... Uh, yeah, those two is actually double pivot with Graciora in front of them. But then... To me, that's almost too defensive for for game where they should be having possession and pushing forward, and and also at the same time, considering you have that double pivot, they left so much space for Real Madrid to attack, and Real Madrid weren't aren't, aren't in the best of form themselves. So, if I have to take it overall, I, I, I it, PSG to me are this it's just this conundrum of I don't know how you're getting results. But you're just not playing very, very well. So it's it's got to come to an end at some point. Yeah, it's definitely been interesting because I don't think PSG had the best start to the season. They kind of relied on Martins, really, to bail them out in their, their games against Rosenborg to qualify for the group stage. There was some strange draws early on in the league season. And, and Charlotte, you and I were both at that away match Um for, for the Chelsea one, which was quite a boring game. But a game where I think it's fair to say Chelsea were, were pretty comfortable in that original match against PSG, weren't they? Yeah, uh, Chelsea should have scored more. Um, I know uh, Paul Green and Emma Hayes like were happy with um, an away win, but PSG just didn't offer any offensive threat. They had one shot on target in that game. Um <laughs> And they really were just second best in individual duels, technically, physically. Even Pressure said Chelsea are so superior to us athletically. Um, and also he said they're kind of their tech technical superiority. I'll say that again. Their technical superiority was missing. So, you know, they had the ball, they had possession but created very few chances and, and really lacked any kind of individual qualities in, in the striking department. Yeah, and that's actually, I think, something, if we look up maybe what's changed for PSG since that game, because whilst I agree with Abdullah, I don't think they're a great team, I do think they're a better team now than they were back in October or wherever it was when we were in Paris. Um, that The loss of Kototo, Abdullah, to to an ACL injury, took place during the Euros. I mean, that's a crazy loss for any team to have to deal with. You know, the, obviously the amount of ACL injuries is just in, entirely bonkers, but you're talking about losing one of the best strikers in the world, someone who's really, you know, the face of your of your team, who there's just been a protracted saga about whether she would go to Barcelona. You've managed to get her to sign this new deal and then you lose her for the season. PSG have used Diani in the false nine role, which is something that Diacra 
tried in the in the Euros as well with with maybe lo- more limited success. Do you think Diani's growing more comfortable with the false nine role, or do you think this is just a bit of a waste of her talents? Right, because we're used to seeing her out wide. Yeah, I, I think. I guess you've got to you got to use what you have, right? And I think in this case, considering how good Diani is, she's probably the best option for PSG to play through the middle right now. Seeing as she's the most comfortable playing through the middle, but I still, but at, on the other hand, I still think that she's wasted in the center because of the way she moves her one-on-one ability against fullbacks. I, I think there's very few pullbacks in the world that can that can maintain Diani. I mean, we saw this, in, yeah, like you said, in, in, in that in that France-Germany semi-final when Diani came into the middle, it was, it, you know, it was suddenly wasn't as effective as when she was on the right-hand side and, you know, and, and change of shape. And I think, you know, at the beginning of the season, PSG tried a couple of different combinations before they actually settled on Diani because I think they also felt like we want to keep Diani in her original position as much as possible because you don't want to lose that because they tried everything from playing... Jackie Gronin as a false nine to Ramona Backman to Sandy Baltimore, uh, you know, and and it's it's you know they have all these different types of conf- uh, combinations. You know, I think even even Lincoln Martins had a, had a spell up front for a couple of games, but in the end, it was just that Diani is probably just the most quality player that they have. That you know what you you can play her there, and she'll still produce seven and a half out of ten. When other players there may give you an eight or a four, and you have no clue what they're going to give you week to week. So, I think I think with Diani, they, they they don't have a choice. They have to play her there. But I think she's much much better on the right. And if they could have uh, Katoto back, I think it would be obviously it would be it would be a whole different different ball game. But I think this this maybe this goes into a question for them of maybe they need to start looking into. Uh, a backup striker but when you have somebody so good who wants to come in and sit behind it's like the Harry Kane situation uh, at Tottenham like who wants to come in and back up to a player that you know when fit is going to be playing week in week out yeah I mean it just adds to the kind of intriguing number nine transfer (laughs) market that we might see in in January I think but you know PSG knew in July that Katoto was going to be injured for a long time and and they decided not to kind of dive in on, on anything in that area so it'll be interesting to see if they kind of reassess that. Hamraoui, I, I want to touch on her again, Charlotte, because didn't play until October. You've said pressure kind of felt like she wasn't the right fit. Um, it feels like she's now started five consecutive matches. It feels like she's allowing pressure to have this safety first approach where Hamraoui plays with Jean-Francois and they're kind of like, we'll defend and then see if, Diani can do something exciting or Baltimore can do something exciting um which I guess is is better than maybe where they were at when they weren't playing Hamraoui but from her perspective do you think she just really sees this as a like I as you've kind of said that she felt the PSG abandoned her and she's like right well I'm gonna prove you wrong and kind of be your savior in inverted commas when you've been through <laughs> what a horrible year she has it sounds cliched, but she must feel most comfortable and safe on the pitch. Like we we hear a lot of players saying, you know, the pitch is where they're happiest. And so for her, it's a release to forget about all that's happened, to run and play her football and actually be back. You know, she was stripped of her identity as a footballer in November. Um, her, her whole dirty laundry was exposed to the world 
throughout the media. So for her to be on the pitch, yeah, prove them wrong and show her qualities. Don't forget that Hamarie won the Champions League with Barcelona and Lyon. She's a highly experienced player. Um, so yeah, I think it it is. I don't know vindication sounds aggy and bitter, but she she's proving to the world the qualities that she has on the pitch and with confidence as well. Um, her form is picking up a consistent level, which she just hasn't had. I don't know. Someone else who I think is kind of proving themselves a bit is Sandy Baltimore because she was sort of in and out of the team at the start of the season. There was definitely a sense that pressure maybe didn't like her attitude or, you know, the way she kind of fitted in with this team. Obviously, Lika Martins had come in as this massive signing for, for PSG, you know, to kind of prize her out from, from Barcelona, who were pretty confident of, of getting her to, to sign a new deal. And, and then obviously for PSG to kind of take her, potentially, you know, in terms of Martins's face, one of the, the PSG's biggest signings in their history. But it feels like now the tables have already turned and we're seeing Baltimore get the starts and, and Lika Martins. I know she's had a couple of injury issues, but she came on for one minute in the game against Lyon. She came on for one minute in the game against Real Madrid. Has, well, I don't want to say has Baltimore won out because I actually think the person who's maybe beaten Martins is hilariously Ramona Backman. But Bachman started all through the season. It's very clear she's a player pressure trust. Has Baltimore kind of beaten out Martins for that other attacking spot? I think so, and I think the, I think I think what he wants to do is he just wants someone who um, I, I think I think he likes her energy. I think I think one thing that you get with Baltimore is you get energy. You get someone who's going to run up and down the pitch and not exactly sacrifice herself in a weird way, but she will get into both attacking positions and then she'll also track back and she'll get into good, good defending positions as well. And I think someone like Lika Martins, who's been so used to playing at a Barcelona side where the the wingers and the attacking players don't have to drop back as much because they're they're protected by midfield and, and a... And a and, and, and fullbacks, but more so they're protected by possession. Whereas in this PSG side, you're not exactly going to be playing 60, 70% possession on a, on, on a weekly basis. Or maybe you will be doing it against like the smaller teams, but it doesn't really matter at that point. You're, but in the big games, you're not going to be the one who's expected to have a lot of possession, right? Like you just take the Real Madrid game, for example. It was very back and forth. You know, I don't know the exact numbers, but at least from the eye test, it was very, uh, it was very, it was very, pretty even. And I think, you know, we have to remember to some extent, while I think Leaky Martins is a really, really good signing, I think between the managers changing and Leaky Martins signing, uh, one of the reasons, I mean, if we were led to believe that Martins was signed because Katoto basically said, I'm only signing a new contract if you show me the ambition of signing top class talent. I don't want to be here if you're not going to sign big players and big names to come in and show the quality that PSG have. And, and then one of the things PSG went, oh, okay. Fine, Lickie Martins is. It almost felt like maybe to some extent, Lickie Martins is there. Let's go and get her. Right? She wants to leave. It's a perfect opportunity for both. And I still think there is. I still think Lickie Martins is a fantastic player. I don't. There's no doubt. But I think maybe it it needs a slight change of system. And I think maybe because of the Katoto injury, um, everything has kind of been convoluted, and it looks like Martins has has missed out. But then again, if you think about it, imagine if Katoto is fit, you have Katoto. Uh, Liki Martins and Diani as your front three. And then that's a whole different dynamic. You suddenly look at that front three and you go, okay, that is 
one of the best front threes in, in, in football right now. Whereas now, because of one injury, the whole thing has to be re, you know, changed up again. And, and, and in this case, I don't think that he can afford to have, maybe in his mind, uh, a Licky Martins in, in, in a big game, you know, in big game situations. And Baltimore you know, does that. And, you know, she, she's deserved it. She, she's, she's played decently well. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't blame him. Yeah, very talented player, very impressive. And I'm sure no Barcelona fans are laughing at what is going on with Martins at PSG right now. We're going to take another ad break. When we come back, we will look ahead to Chelsea PSG. So the context of the match, Abdullah, is Chelsea will top the group if they win, draw or only lose 1-0. I have been trying all weekend to find a succinct way to say that and I think I finally nailed it. Um, but how do you think that's going to affect the mentality of Chelsea going into this game? It's kind of pressure off because they're through anyway, but we're going to want to finish top, right? You're, yeah, I agree. I think I think, I think think from a... From a momentum and a mentality perspective, I don't think Emma Hayes will want her team to switch off. Like it's it's one of those where you, it, it, I think if there was a game immediately after or like in a week's time or three, four days time, I think it's a different story because then they have the ability to bounce back and put things right if it doesn't go as well. But in this situation, you're kind of going and saying, right, you know, if they say take it easy and you lose, suddenly you go into a winter break for two weeks and you're like, oh, that's playing at the back of your mind. You have a big game against Arsenal coming up on the 15th of January. Does that play on your mind? We didn't play so well last time out. It was, it was a big game. So I think from a, from a both a mentality perspective, I think, I think it's important going into the, into the break. It's important into going up against Arsenal on the 15th of January. And I think it's just one of those statements, right? You know, you know, it's just, it's saying, all right, you know, we've beaten big teams already so far. Let's go and let's just be the giant killers and go and, you know, beat PSG for a second time. You don't want them to, you, you don't want them to rest. You know, yes, I can understand maybe there'll be a little bit of rotation. You know, maybe someone like Kankovic will start, you know, um, and, and things like that. But I think, I think, I think it's just very important for Chelsea to, to maintain a balance of keeping high enough energy and, and, and getting the win. Uh, but at the same time, you know, knowing that they have the safety net of, well, even if we lose, you know, right it's not the end of the world. We are through to the next round, unlike last season where there was just pressure to have to qualify and in the end, in the end they didn't. You have to remind us of that. We, we're, now we've qualified, we get to erase <laughs> yeah, last season. I, that's memory. the whole point I brought it up. That's the whole point because we've qualified. <laughs> okay, okay, don't okay, worry okay, about it. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Charlotte, this game's being played at Stamford Bridge. It's the first Champions League game there for Chelsea since... Uh, they got thumped by Wolfsburg many years ago, maybe 2017, 2018. Very, very bleak game, which almost no one was at. Um, what impact do you think that has? I feel like Chelsea are aware that they might need to play their knockout fixtures in the Champions League at Stamford Bridge because of VAR and things like that. I don't really see that happening at Kings Meadow. Is this more of a we've got to get the players used to this. They've not played there as much as, say, Arsenal have at the Emirates, um, rather than being like, let's get all the fans in before Christmas, or or is it just kind of like a bit of both? I think it's a, an opportunity to use Stamford Bridge, especially with the Premier League uh, not on again. Um, it's, yeah, another opportunity to grow your fan base. You know, we've seen Leon struggle with it. Their capacity with their stadium is 1,500 and a training ground, and then they go to the men's stadium and they, and they can't fill it out because you know you don't have that consistency um and it's a big like even on paper okay maybe well, 
maybe I'm doing PSG a disservice here, but Chelsea PSG, so you see it on paper and you think, oh yeah, you know, that's a, a tasty game I want to go to. Um, it's my understanding that PSG ultras are not going to travel. Um, so that could definitely influence that. I remember when Chelsea played at PSG, Millie Bright said she quite liked like the bang of the drum and the noise that the PSG ultras make. So it'll be up to kind of for Chelsea fans to, to bring that noise. Um, but Stamford Bridge, you know, why not? Champions League, uh, they're in good form. Um, they've already qualified. So it, it will be interesting to see uh, next season, as in next calendar year, say that again, in January, um, that Chelsea are going to play more games at, at Stamford Bridge. I definitely think that's the the direction the club are going in. I'll make sure I uh, pack my flares then if the PSG Ultras won't be uh, coming across the channel for, for Thursday night. You've got to strip off, Jesse. Back to the <laughs> pitch. There. Yeah, topless in minus Commanding two degrees. <laughs> the conductor with your drum. I, I, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. Yeah, yeah. Catch me. Catch me in uh, West End or wherever I am doing that. Um, Abdullah, PSG had this not must-win game against Real Madrid, but an important game against Real Madrid, which they did win in the week, 2-1. Um, they Starting 11 was Buhardi, Lawrence, Ilstedt, De Almeida, Magal, Karchawi, Georo, Hamraoui, Jean-Francois, Baltimore, Diani and Bachmann. Do you think we'll be seeing this same PSG 11 again? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, as much as I said before, this is the team that they've been playing the last couple of games. And I and I and I think this is what he settled on as his preferred uh, preferred lineup. Right. Uh, you know, you've obviously got the two fullbacks who I think are important. I, th- I think, you know, for me, weirdly enough, I think Kershawi has come up as their pl- their defensive player of the season. Like she's been she's been elevated herself as like this. Now, I think just getting into the consistently giving you an eight out of ten per week, and 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 it pains me that she couldn't produce these performances for Leon last season, and then she comes into a, a PSG side, and now she's just really this this. I mean, she's gone on to be the starting left back for France now, so I mean that's that's the level that she's gone up and 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 there. So I mean, she's she's one of my favorites. So like you know, for me, I'm I'm kind of glad to see her her do well. Um, Giro is obviously, we know all about her, right? There was a whole chase in the summer. So I think we all know about Graciero. I think she'll be good. So yeah, I think we're going to, we're going to see this. Um, Ramona Backman, let's see whether she has a, she wants to prove a point in, in this game as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't see, I don't see too much. I just, I just, just for me, I think, I think for, for Chelsea, I think it's, it's, it's important that they, you know, the, it's the it's that midfield battle. I think I think Hamrabi and Jean Francois versus you know Ingle and Casper, or whether it's Ingle, Casper, and uh, Kankovic or whoever's going to be playing in that three. I think that's I think that's where the game is going to be important, and I think that's I think Chelsea have the upper hand there. So I think for me, it's 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 going to be it's going to be a tough one for PSG. Yeah, and and Charlotte, I'm aware that you've been at the World Cup, so just to fill you in, Chelsea um right now aren't exactly you know, hip-hop and happening on the football pitch. Um, obviously, we've, we've, won, we've won the games, but we've not exactly been convincing. But kind of thinking about Chelsea generally and that that original game, where where do you think Chelsea will be looking to hurt PSG? It's, it's got to be their, you know, effective listen. They've got to be clinical, much more clinical than they were um, when they visited uh, PSG. As Abdullah alluded to, that key will be in, in midfield. But I think... 
Chelsea, not that they're going to be complacent, will be quite comfortable in that, you know, PSG lack so much going forward, especially with that Diani in the number nine role. Like she 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 suited much more out to the wing. So um Chelsea will want to be very solid at the back. And if they can get that midfield secure, um, then it's putting away their chances because if you look at the offensive threat of Chelsea compared to PSG, then that they should be should be winning this game. Yeah, and I think this game's, you know, uh, we talked about this in the the Vlatsnia review, which we did earlier in the week slash I recorded yesterday, so my mind's a bit confused. But um, uh, this is an opportunity, I think, for Chelsea to really put to the finishing touches on on a group stage campaign, which I think has been impressive in its control, but hasn't necessarily sent a message to other teams in Europe saying, look, we're up here and we're ready to reach Champions League final again. That being said, I don't think many teams have managed to do that in, in this year's Champions League group stage, but I still think a comprehensive win uh, for, for Chelsea over PSG would do that. But it will be interesting to see I think we've seen kind of tiredness and Christmasness feature in players' minds recently, and and Chelsea will know that that even a draw would would have them top the group. So I think it's going to be a really interesting balance of those kind of competing interests. Obviously, you know the the twenty second of December day is just mad. I I can't remember ever watching a women's football match that late. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to it, but then. I'm going to be in London for Christmas. I'm not Sam Kerr, who's presumably got to try and get to Australia it, within three days. That's not very, that's not very much time. Um, all right, let's wrap up the episode then with a couple of score projections. Charlotte, you're our guest, so I will let you go first. I'm going to go 2-0 uh, Chelsea. 2-0 Chelsea. Yes, love that. You can come again. Abdullah, <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> I'm going to go 1-0 Chelsea. I just think it's just going to be another close game because of the whole everything we've just said. So 1-0 Chelsea. I am going to go 2-1 Chelsea. I think Ramona Backman, we have to. I want it for her. I want her opportunity to say, fuck you, Emma Hayes. <laughs> you should never have let me go. I know I shouldn't, but I do. I love Rami still. Um, if the documentary's anything to go by, then yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. So a 2 on Chelsea with a Ramona Backman goal. I will head to Christmas happy with that. Um, if you are based in around London and you haven't got your tickets yet, what are you doing? Make sure you get down to the bridge. Last chance to see Chelsea in 2022. It's been some year, so let's hope we can finish it off on high. Thursday, 8 o'clock is the game. I will be there leading the ultras, as Charlotte said. But until then, Chelsea fans, uh, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.